It's Monday, August 31st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me today, the one and only Bill Mann. Good to see you. Thanks for being here. Nice shirt, Chris. Thank you. I know this is radio for a lot of people, but I just, <laughs> that is a shirt for radio. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, try, I, I try, I try and do my best. I try and, you know, spiff up every now and then. Um, we're going to talk about those stock splits that are making news. We're going to start by heading to Japan by way of Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, Warren Buffett celebrated his 90th birthday doing what a lot of folks like to do when they want to treat themselves. He went shopping. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway has bought stakes in the five leading trading companies in Japan, Sumitomo, Otochu, Marubeni, Mitsui and Company, and Mitsubishi Corp. Um, They import everything from energy and metals to textiles and food. And this is (laughs) clearly a big move in and of itself. What does this investment on Buffett's part say to you? Let's start there. Well, once again, as always, we have to remember that with Berkshire Hathaway, sometimes the numbers almost feel like cheat codes because $6.5 billion is not a huge investment for Berkshire Hathaway. Its stake in Apple, its stake uh, in Coca-Cola are much larger than this. But Buffett, for after years of not really looking outside of the United States, has really started doing so. He's bought Israeli companies. He's bought German companies. He's invested in China, uh, in Brazil. And now he's investing heavily in a very interesting segment of Japan. These are extremely economically sensitive trading companies. In Japanese, they're called Sogo Shosha. Um, and they are they will trade in almost anything. And... I believe that one of the reasons that he wants to have uh, he wants the stake in these companies is that is that because these companies are, are chameleons, they will invest in everything. They have joint ventures all over the world, and so yet another way for Berkshire Hathaway to have additional boots on the ground, ad- additional eyes and ears looking for new things that they can invest in. So really interesting timing for this. It may be, you know, again, his suggestion uh, in a soft way that it's really hard to find opportunities here in the U.S. that the Japanese market, relatively inexpensive. And uh, like everyone else, you know, I'm sure a lot of people, everyone woke up this morning and was surprised by what Buffett has done. And by now, a lot of people are saying, huh, that makes sense. You look at those five stocks, um, they're all up, you know, five to 10%. It's um, a lot of times when Buffett makes a move, one of the things we talk about is how Buffett is quick to tell people like, look, just don't blindly follow me. You shouldn't blindly follow anyone, do your own research and all that. Um, But is this something U.S. investors should look at, given what the comments you just made about sort of the relative value of the market in Japan? The best performing stock market in the entire world over the last decade, stock market, stock index is the S&P 500. And it's really not even close. When you denominate in dollars, it's the number one. 
Japan's is actually since Abe came to power, it, it it has outperformed every other major stock exchange, with the exception of China and the U.S. S and P 500. It is a you know we tend to think of it as being moribund. I think American investors still have a dramatically too low exposure to uh, to markets that are outside of the U.S. And yeah, I, there are. I think that in the U.S., uh, you know, almost every opportunity has at least in some ways been monetized, whereas in a lot of other countries, that is not the case. And Japan, definitely one of those countries. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Shinzo Abe. His reign as the longest serving prime minister of Japan is coming to an end. Uh, his term ends in September of 2021. Mm-hmm. He very recently announced he is stepping down due to health reasons, um, yet to be determined who's going to be replacing him. Uh, what is the economic legacy of Shinzo Abe? I'm, I'm wondering how big are the shoes to fill of whoever comes next? They're actually massive. And Shinzo Abe is really, it, it, he, he's an interesting character because he, it's almost, it, it's almost Nixon-esque how Nixon was basically the only U.S. president who could have gone in and recognized China. Like he was an unreformed right winger when he came into, into power. But he believed in Japan and he believed in the, you know, the, the power of the Japanese experiment. And so he has, he set about a, a number of economic reforms that are wide reaching. He set out as a you know, as a target to get Japan up to two percent inflation. It had been in a deflationary environment for years, and so there was a lack of spending. He's he's broken the Japanese culture of cross holdings, in which more healthy companies will prop up uh, weaker ones. Uh, the most amazing thing that he did was that he is the one, and his and his and his administration is the one that has gone about a sweeping program of structural reform, where females in Japan were such a low component of the overall workforce, and and he set apart he he has set out a program to make sure that. There's a much higher component of female uh, workers in the Japanese industry, and they had to do things, Chris, like, for example, there were not enough daycare centers in Japan. And so they had you, – you can't just simply say, okay, we should have more female workers because, the, you know, the, the, the conditions beforehand were not conducive to a two-income family. You know, the, the, to having both, you know, both members of the family outside of the home. So, yeah, what he has done and what his government has done, not only has it been immense, but in some ways, it's been a surprise. Sounds like someone's got really big shoes to fill. <laughs> yeah, that's the other part of your question. Yeah, but it's a pretty good place to be in, right? It, you know, you, you're, you're not talking about what the thing that I'm not did being handed that, some enormous mess. Right, you're not being handed an enormous mess. You're you're being handed now an aircraft carrier that's pointing roughly the right direction, right? So he has done a lot of the hard work, and a lot of people would point to, you know, they'll point to the outcomes, and maybe they're not as great as what he had said they would be, but it is definitely, it is definitely far better. I mean, they 
we might not even think about it here, but uh, you know, he he managed to reform the agriculture industry in Japan. And if you've if you spent time in Tokyo in the 1980s, the 1990s, in the middle of these huge office buildings, there would be a little rice farm. You know, like a, you know, a guy out there, and he goes every day, and and the land was absolutely priceless, and it was a tiny little plot, and and the farmers like, well, I'm not moving, and and couldn't be moved. There was nothing that they could do to move them. And so all of these things have made Japan a much more economically competitive force than it was before he came in. So, yeah, big shoes to fill. But you're talking about big shoes in, in something that's going definitely the right direction. Shares of Apple up 3% today, shares of Tesla up 8%. And that makes perfect sense because today is the day that both of these companies' respective stock splits have taken effect. Apple splitting four for one, Tesla splitting five for one. Where do you want to start? (laughs) Should, should, Should we start with your utter disgust for what is happening in the market today with these two stocks? Should we start there? You know, it's not it's it's not that I care. Right. I don't care that these stocks are up. I care very much that this is sending the exact wrong message to a lot of investors. We have heard in the Motley Fool Morning Show over and over and over again, should I buy before the split? Should I buy after the split? Or split's good for the stock? If you are talking about, if you are depending on market mechanics to drive your returns, you are going to get burned. So the fact that these companies are up today, so the people who, who who think stock splits matter have had that belief reinforced, to me it's a problem. It's a problem because at some point they are going they're gonna lose. And I don't mean lose like, hey, you won this one, you lost that one, you're one and one. I mean you lose that you win this one, you lose the next one, and you are one and fifteen. Right? Because you know, because because the scale of it will matter a lot. You know, a lot more. So, I mean, it's great. I have no problem with with Tesla going up six percent today or eight percent or who can tell at this point. I have no problem with uh, with Apple going up. You know, but it's the exact wrong lesson. The timing, I think, um, adds to your point. The fact that it's not that Apple split their stock, it's not that Tesla split their stock. It's that they both did it. At the same time, it's a massive split. And by massive, I mean anything greater than two for one, because that gets attention. We've seen fewer splits. I mean, it's really the combination of all these factors. And, uh, you know, in the same way that I have thought over the last six months or so, as companies have rightly so put a hold on giving out financial guidance. Mm-hmm. And thinking, boy, you know, if you're if you're the chief financial officer at all of these companies, and you're in the meeting, and someone, hey, should we stop giving guidance? If you're the CFO, you're absolutely like, yes, yes. You're snapping stop. off someone's hand to get that. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Let's stop giving guidance. On the flip side, I I think one of the ripple effects of what's happening today with Apple and Tesla is going to be more questions coming up than we've seen in the past six to 12 months of successful large companies, whether it's Amazon, um, whether it's booking, holding, you know, any stock price that hasn't split in a very long time and is either at or approaching um, 
you know, triple digits or quadruple, quadruple digits. Quadruple, yeah. Uh, you know, I just feel like it's going to be more oxygen that those people have to deal with of, hey, are you thinking about this? Because, yeah. and by the way, these are not, these are not fly-by-night companies with Apple and Tesla. These no. are, you know, in, and in the case no. of Tim Cook, in the case of Tim Cook, on the short list of the most respected CEO in America. Definitely in the top two or three follow-up acts of all time. Of all time, I think. Yeah, you know, it's funny. So th- this weekend, I checked into my Fidelity account, as I tend to do on the weekends, and I got – and I – and. There was a, uh, a you know a warning that came up right away, and it said you know at, um, as stocks these stocks go through their stock splits this weekend, some parts of the experience are still in the midst of updating. Tim, do you, I mean uh, Chris, did you realize you don't have a portfolio that you actually have an experience? I, I didn't realize that. I don't have my money with Fidelity, so maybe you know I, I may just <laughs> have right. a boring portfolio as opposed to like Fidelity. Right. Is that part of their marketing? Come, it should be. Come join the experience. Come join Fidelity.com. <laughs> you know, I think, and again, I don't want to overstate this. I'm not actually opposed to stock splits. They just don't matter. It is just simply the only people it matters to are options holders. Everybody else, especially in a world where you don't have to buy, you know, where where you don't have to buy in round lots, where where brokerages are, you know, brokerage trades are free and you can buy fractional shares, they literally don't matter. But people are excited about it. So you know I why? Guess I'm wrong. Who is scoreboard, I guess, right? People are excited because more is better. More <laughs> shares are better. That's it's just that simple. <laughs> Bill Mann, always good talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. Good to see you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on The Motley Fool. May have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.